Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. Hope everyone had a great week. Enjoyed a damn Super Bowl. I enjoyed my Bengals in there, even though they didn't win. But we're going to move on a little bit and get past my heartbreak. And we're going to talk about some really cool independent films this week. And we have a special guest, Anthony Caimano from New York. Um, Anthony is an independent music and film producer. And Anthony, thanks for coming on to the show, man. I really appreciate it. How you been? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. So, um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you. Your, your project I've seen posted all over Facebook. And I'm a big fan of Batman and especially a big fan of this character, the Joker. And uh, you are putting a fan film together called Batman, the Killing Joke. Um, tell us a little bit about what this is, what the project's about. And where did you come up with the title like that? So it's actually based on a, a graphic novel. Um, so there's a comic story uh, called Batman, the killing joke, and it's inspired by this story. Um, and I was, I was actually promoting an album, an EP a couple of years back. And I was getting, uh, just trying to have fun during the pandemic. And I was dressing up like different characters each week and uh, popping up on Facebook and Instagram and just telling people about the, uh, the album that I had coming out. And I was Hulk Hogan one week and I was uh, my, my brother and I were Jay and Silent Bob the next week. And we just uh, I did all these characters. And one week I kind of landed on the, the Joker and uh, got got a bit carried away with it. And uh, <laughs> here we are a couple of years later and, uh, you know, make the fan film out of it. So <laughs> now, these films that you made, like these characters, are these on YouTube? Can people find it there or are you on just Facebook? Um, it was just on Facebook. It was something I did uh, just for friends and family mostly. And uh, they were just short clips, maybe 30 seconds to a minute long each week. And uh, I don't think any of them are up anymore. I don't think you can find them anymore. Wow. So, uh, yeah, during the pandemic, I think we all had to find some things to occupy our mind if we you could get out yeah. anywhere. I mean, you yeah. could go talk to you know, people you work with face to face or clients face to face. So I can just imagine, like, I'm glad I didn't go the route of, like, dressing up as weird characters because, um, <laughs> especially videoing, because by, like, month three, like, I've sat in so much and I've ordered Giovanni's pizza so much that I could probably only fit my fat ass into a pair of sweatpants and a shirt. <laughs> so I would have been, like, fat Rocky right, from the Rocky movies or, uh, or like, try to do my best impression of uh, Hans and Franz from the old Saturday Night Live skits, just. <laughs> like thing with, you know pillows under uh, 
<laughs> anything to hide like the four you know months of neglect and crappy eating. But um, <laughs> yet two weeks to slow for it was it like four, 15 days to slow the spread to here we are a little over two years later, man. And we and I've still I've stopped not stopped putting on weight yet. So I but I you know if I could dress up like a villain, it'd be the Joker. Um, yeah. Is that is that like just are you like a big time Batman fan or was it just this comic that grabbed your attention? I love Batman. I've always loved Batman. So I grew up watching um, all of the live action stuff from Adam West to Michael Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, uh, yeah. Bale, um, now Affleck. And, you know, of course, Pattinson's coming out soon. Um, and I watched the animated series, the 90s series, uh, I watched the series based on the Adam West show. So there was an animated version of that. I remember yeah, that animated version from the 90s was really, really great, wasn't it? That was, yeah, that was like cutting really kind of dark at the time. And like you just weren't used to that kind of darkness. I mean, even when, uh, when the, the Batman movie came out in the 90s with uh, Michael Keaton, it was a little yeah. dark. Well, Jack Nicholson brought it darkness to that right because they kind of tried to film it cartoonish in a way but um that that was like that was the movie i think that really got me interested in, in batman as a character even though i grew up with comics as a kid yeah i love that movie that was uh directed by tim burton yeah and it had um of course michael keaton was batman in the movie um <clears throat> and he brought the uh the dark feeling to to the live action batman in a way that uh, hadn't been done before and so it was pretty cool now, do you have a like out of all the Batman's other people who have played the Batman character? Do you have a favorite or a couple of favorites? Uh, I like Michael Keaton a lot um, from the original Batman, yeah. and I like I like what they were doing with Ben Affleck. Um, I just think that the the Snyder movies were a bit of a mess, but I I like the idea of what they were doing with Batman at the time. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people really like like Christian Bale as their their favorite version of batman I, I i don't like i'm with you i kind of like the michael keaton one. maybe it's just because i was younger and and just you know but i, I really like the christian bale ones but as mm -hmm. far as the joker i mean you had jack nicholson and then you had um heath ledger that played the joker and those are they played them two very distinct ways um yeah when it comes to this fan film like, do you lean toward one side of that darkness or the other, or, or how, do you blend that? How do you how do you approach that? I try to just do my own thing. Uh, I'm trying not to do an. It won't be an impression of any of those guys, so I'm not going to do. Um, a lot of people, I think, expect a Mark Hamill impression. Uh, Mark Hamill voiced the Joker in the animated series, um, or they expect me to show up and to do this kind of Heath Heath Ledger impression. But um, I don't have any intention of doing that. Um, the only thing that's really kind of borrowed from Heath Ledger is uh, part of the makeup where I have the eyes that kind of resemble uh, yeah. the way that his eyes were done in the dark night. And I have, uh, the mouth kind of resembles Joaquin Phoenix from the Joker movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and just with my own twist on it. Um, but, but that's it. I'm not going to do an impression of them or try to copy what they did in any way. It seems like that character, the Joker is like, just from the comics and then even the way the people portray the movies are so different. That has got to be one of the most complex characters that just in like cinematic history, how to, because you can approach it in so many different ways. And I'm trying to think of the name of the movie, uh, the suicide squad when mm -hmm. Jared Leto, yeah. 
uh, played that character. And it was, again, it was just so wildly different. Right. You see how people could take their own approach to it. But um, does that, does that give you any pause as to just how diabolical and weird that character is when you try to kind of, I guess, get into character? Because Jack Nicholson actually warned Heath Ledger about getting into the character. Yeah. Yeah. So that was um, something I had to, to actually take a step back from a couple of years ago when I was uh, first dressing up as the character because I was on Instagram and I was um, a part of a lot of these different group chats that were dedicated to the Joker character. And I was getting all these messages from fans of the Joker that um, where it was almost like they were like confiding in me and telling me about personal things that were going on in their their lives and it it just got so heavy after a while that i had to kind of take a step back from it um but yeah there's you know i've i've looked at what i thought were the most popular performances of, of the character which i you know i think a lot of people say that heath ledger is their favorite joker um and so i i kind of looked at the joker in the dark knight and tried to try to figure out who the joker was in that movie and ultimately, I decided that he was like an alternate version of Bruce Wayne, you know, in almost like a parallel universe where it's like if uh, if Bruce Wayne just grew up in, you know, one town, you know, a couple blocks over, you know, just had like, you know, different parents, but kind of like grew up. And it's just um, it just seemed like he was just another uh, another uh, I don't know how to describe it, but another part of Batman yeah, I, I, I can kind of see that because, you know, the similar drive, a similar angst, and it just it just depends on which wolf you want to feed with what they're going to become. Right, know? right. And um, exactly. one thing, as I was watching The Dark Knight, I think one of the things that struck me was, um, you know, I'd, I'd watched Batman Begins, and yeah, I really liked the character, you know, that, that Christian Bale, how he, how he handled Batman. But yeah. when the Dark Knight, when I was watching that, there here, here Heath Ledger when I was playing the Joker, it struck me as like, wow, it wasn't doesn't seem like that long ago I was watching Christian Bale in American Psycho. Yeah, and how easy would it have been if they didn't have Heath Ledger, and Christian Bale had not played Batman, if he could have just switched, and played the Joker? I wonder how Christian Bale would have handled that character. It just. It almost seems like after American Psycho, something like that was just just made for him. Yeah, uh, that would have been pretty interesting. I never thought of that. Um, yeah, that'd be. I'd still like to see it. <laughs> maybe they'll make an alternate Batman with the or, or Dark Knight. We'll see Batman running around with a chainsaw and two hookers. I mean, that would that would be. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, those the those are those are really a cool great. idea. So when when uh, how long have you how long ago did you start this project? Um, I, I'm sorry. How long until, until we started? Yeah. When did you get it started? When was this during like you know, a couple of years ago you got started or. Um, I started coming up with the idea a couple of years back, but, um, we've been in pre-production or what I would consider to be pre-production for maybe a month now. Um, so our, we have an, uh, you know, campaign that we're going to launch on March 1st. Um, and then once we raise funds for the film, we'll actually go into production with it. But um, as of now, we're not uh, filming or anything. We have a cast and some crew members attached to it, but we're still pulling all the pieces together. Okay. Um, now, I've seen you had a trailer that you put out for this. 
yeah. which was which was a kind of a neat trailer. Um, and uh, you have an Indiegogo page uh, yeah. that you've you've got up. So um, now, if people want to find you on Facebook to like go find these links, where do they go? It's facebook.com backslash Batman the Killing Joke fan film. The Killing Joke. Yeah, I'm going to have to find these comics. Um, is there yeah. anything you can tell us about the story without kind of giving it away? Yeah, it's a darker, um, edgier Batman story. It's uh, geared toward adults more than kids. Um, at the time when it came out, it was definitely one of the darker uh, Batman stories that had come out up to that point. Um, and I believe it came out in 1988 was when it was published. Um, <clears throat> so just before the, the Michael Keaton Batman film. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty popular Batman story. A lot of the fans of Batman are familiar with, with the comic version. Mm-hmm. Um, what, we're, what we're doing is going to be a little bit different. So it's drawing inspiration from the comic, but it won't be the exact same. Um, so anyone that's familiar with the story, um, would know you know have has a pretty good idea of what it's about um batman's after the joker uh the joker hurts barbara gordon and uh it's just a uh the joker kidnaps commissioner gordon and then batman has to find commissioner gordon kind of thing um but again our the the version that we're going to tell is going to be a little bit different from that um just drawing inspiration from it it sounds it sounds like a really cool project. Um, are you going to film it around the Rochester area, or do you have other locations? Yeah, we're going to film in Rochester, New York, and then the surrounding area. So everything will be kept in upstate New York. Okay, so you're going to go downtown. Like I've never been to Rochester, but like, are there like areas in Rochester where you can kind of like pseudo fake Gotham? You know, with, yeah. With the- yeah, that's my plan. Um, we have some gothy looking cathedrals and things downtown. So I just thought if if I got some shots down there, I can make my own version of Gotham. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that that's pretty cool. Um, because I didn't know if like if you're gonna travel down a little further south to the real Gotham, right, New York City, and try some <laughs> filming down there. But there's still so many restrictions on, I guess, in downtown New York, it, it probably wouldn't be worth the the hassle, I guess. To that's what i'm thinking yeah i don't think um for the story that we're going to tell i don't think we really have to go to new york city um it's something i'll keep in mind once we get closer to actually filming but as of now i don't have any intention of going there you know i could see the joker totally leading this uh anti-mask shit i mean can you imagine telling the joker to put a mask on (laughs) can you imagine the weird Um, mask he would put on he like paint something else and like yeah, but <laughs> yeah, they got a city block, but no, um, uh, yeah, that's not to encourage anybody out there. That's but anyway, that's but that would be kind of a the Joker during the pandemic. Now, that would be an interesting thing. I had a little idea not long ago because some of these characters, these dark characters, one of my favorite ones uh, of all times, Darth Vader. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I've had so many, I've went on so many Star Wars rants recently that. It, uh, I, now I'm going to get the Joker stuck in my head and start going on Joker rants. But uh, like Darth Vader, like remember you saw? Did you see um, uh, Revenge of the Sith when he had when he had, had his you know his arms or one arm and two legs hacked off by Obi Wan? Of course. And then, then he's all burned up, and then they put the mask and everything on him, and you know the suit and all this. And I'm thinking, you know, like I'm watching some of the other movies. I'm like, is Darth Vader really this pissed off all the time? Like he can't be that chapped in the ass all the time. Maybe from the burns, literally, but 
like he can't be that pissed off, right? Right. And he, but he and I started thinking he has a torso. Like he didn't. I mean, you know, he, he has like half of his legs, right? But he has a torso. I mean, the guy has to go to the bathroom. I wonder if it's like these NASCAR guys when you get dressed ready for action. It's like now nah, I gotta take a piss. Not gonna. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do, you do? You know. I mean, like you're Vader. The only right. problem is you have like two. You know, like. I don't know, like bionic hands. Like, what if one of them malfunction when you're trying to go? <laughs> and like, next you know, you've, you've crushed your own bits and pieces. I mean, right. so that would piss me off. But but the guy has to get hungry. We've never seen Vader eat. And with all that technology, you think you'll have like a hole or something in the mask with a slot of cookie through once in a while. But you, you never <laughs> see anything. But with the breathing, the way he does, he's, he has to have the worst science issues. That, that's, yeah. that's my guess. So Disney Plus, I mean, this is my challenge to Disney Plus. We're getting an Obi Wan series. We've had the Mandalorian. We have uh, the uh, the Book of Boba Fett that's out now. I want Darth Vader. What's he like around the house? I mean, there's got to be a reality show with Vader. <laughs> yeah. we, right. <laughs> I mean, before he like puts the mask on, is he a bacon and eggs kind of guy? I don't know. That's just <laughs> I, I don't know. But I mean, there's so many questions there that need to be answered, and maybe the Joker should have his own reality show. I think that'd be fun. Um, I heard that they were considering doing a Joker show. I think for HBO, they were oh, going to wow. do a, a Joker series. Yeah. So now that would be cool. Yeah, really I think they can make it cool. Yeah, um, I'd be interested. You know, interested to see what they have planned for it or what their idea is. I wonder if it would be worth it to like. Would Would Jared Leto be a good candidate for a Joker show? Um, for me personally, he's not my favorite Joker. Um, but you know, if it, if it helps DC or helps HBO or whatever, then, you know, I'm all for it, whatever, whatever's best for the team. There are definitely a, a lot of fans of his out there that just love his Joker character. Um, yeah, yeah. I lean more towards some of the other actors, but so that's, that's the thing. Sometimes I think it's best like to have an unknown actor. Or an actor's fill a, a big role because they can do so much that that people because they already don't have that built-in expectation of what somebody else has been kind of pigeonholed in with their career. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and I think that might actually. You're right, man. Um, that might that might be a weird one for Jared because there are a lot of people that don't really love his version of the Joker, and if they attach him to the project, he might be willing to go into a different direction with it you might come up with something cool and people might not give him a chance just because right. they've already seen his other stuff but yeah now are you a fan of like horror films oh yeah, yeah. okay because when they uh, when they come up with the, uh, several years back they did friday the 13th it was kind of like yeah. a reboot a lot of people thought we're just going to get like a remake of the original mm -hmm. but i was blown away when i went and it wasn't they just kind of did their own thing and yeah just through the name Friday the 13th on there. And I thought, I thought as far as so-called remakes, I was not disappointed. Usually I, I kind of am, but I was really not disappointed uh, with that one. Kind of like the way I was with like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Um, mm -hmm. When you, when you do filming and you're doing like a fan film, and I, I imagine you probably hear from a lot of friends, other actors and, and actresses that are uh, in indie as well, that, their thoughts on like remakes and things like that. Did you get any kind of pushback when you, when you wanted to start this? No, everyone's excited for it. Um, the, 
I mean, the thing is that the people that are familiar with the killing joke are like really excited to see a live action version of it because it's never been done before. Um, they came out with an animated movie uh, a few years back. It's on Netflix, but the first 20 or 30 minutes is um, like original material that they jammed into the story. And um, most people that watch it aren't that fond of the, the first 20 or 30 minutes. There's a lot of interesting content that they put in there. Okay. Um, so I think people are excited to just see something different. That's kind of, related to the the killing joke story um but no i everybody's been super supportive um i'm grateful and i you know i appreciate all of it so much how much are you guys looking to raise to to get the entire project like start to finish well it's going to be a full-length feature film and i think to get everything that we actually need to get it done it's probably going to be around uh, like 50k or so okay because you see a lot of independent like fan film stuff and they have to stop and, like after like 20 minutes of total content once it's edited. Yeah. And yeah. the most they get is like five, six grand tops. And but you, so this is going to be a little bit more. Um, actually, I have a friend who's an independent filmmaker. He lives in L.A. and uh, He did a movie many years ago called uh, Rise of the or Shine of the Zombie Bastards, which was just kind of like a spoof on. Well, it actually, it came out. He did it before Zombieland was Zombieland, like a year before. And not that they, oh. you know, but they were doing it then. I mean, they were kind of filming at the same time. But as an independent film, he got it done much quicker. And mm-hmm. it was so good. He filmed with a lot of local actors in Tennessee because it was like the oh. moonshine that was turning people into zombies. It was the craziest thing <laughs> yeah, ever. But it was a fun, very fun film. So having that kind of a budget, I know he had a budget of something like 35. So having that much of a budget actually can really upgrade from where people think when they see fan film. So this right. is that much of a budget. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good watch. It's not going to be looking at like, yeah, I can tell they spent five grand, like a lot, you know, like, and I'm not trying to like, you know, say anything bad about this film. People raise what they can raise. And some people are good at raising money and others aren't. And, right. um, and the creativity um, may, may be there. It's just, they don't have the funds to back up the vision. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so, there, there are some other people that are working on a Batman uh, fan film. There are a couple different groups. Um, one of them is doing a, a version of the killing joke that looks like it was taken straight out of the comic. Um, then there's another group that just actually just released a Batman fan film. And those are both around 25 minutes long. Um, I'm not sure why those groups kept the, uh, the shorter um, films, the 25 minute films. I would suspect, though, that it has some, something to do with being uh, attached to the Actors u- Union. So if they're attached to SAG and if they make a fan, uh, a fan film, they're restricted as to how long it can be. Um, other people keep the, the shorter time just because they, they can't afford to, to make the bigger films. Um, but I, I know for a fact that one of those projects that they just made was uh, 25 minutes long. And they had a minimum of $75,000 to make the film. So, so realistically for me to make a full length feature film with a $50,000 budget, isn't really, it's honestly not going to be that much. I'm not, it's going to be hard to get everything together. Um, it costs a lot to make these movies and especially to give you guys a, a Batman film that doesn't look like a fan film. I don't want it to look or feel like some of those cheaper projects. And so we would definitely want to have the the bigger budget. Um, the Batman costume alone would cost 
almost as much as uh, some of those other fan films total budgets. So, um, you know, I still, we have to get Batgirl and um, actors fed and crew members and uh, sets built and Batmobile and Bat Signal and Gotham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So hopefully you guys will bust through that, the 50,000 goal and, yeah. and be able to, uh, you know, you put together a great project. Now, I yeah. wanted to ask you this as well, and then I want to get into some of your music too. Actually, uh, you, you produce music, but I, um, yeah. with um, so many independent films and fan films that are out there, th- for the longest time I've noticed this. Like, anytime you go to the movies, and you know, and again, I'm not trying to like criticize what people like or actors or because people, I mean, they, they got to work, right? They do a great job, but yeah. it seems like the same storylines are just rehashed over and over when you go to like big films. It's mm-hmm. almost like Hollywood for a number of years when they started with, like when I saw they remade Bewitched, you know, and yeah. it's like, that's Will yeah. fair. I'm like, what the hell? Like, and we really <laughs> lost so much creativity that we have to make like five different versions of Ghostbusters and, you know, and not, not that the, like the ladies version they did, they made it kind of cartoonish. You got, you've seen the original Ghostbusters. It was funny because it means it was dark. And right. then when they when they remade the Ghostbusters with the four girls that were Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. it was cartoonish. And I think that was probably from the uh, producer side, like when they, yeah. you know, the, the, the filmmaker, like just. And it wasn't the good because the girls are freaking hilarious. It would I think something like that would have been better if they just said, "Hey, ladies, write a script and then go do it," and like it would have been like much better than what the director had done, I think. But when you look at Hollywood films today and you look at independent films. Why is it we see so much more creativity and originality coming out of independent films and somehow it doesn't translate over into Hollywood where they have all the money to do these films and like things have to go to like Netflix or, or some of the, the other streaming services where some of those films, let's just face it, they go and die. They don't get any promotion. But yet they're amazing films, like very creative, very original. Like what, what the heck is with that disconnect? Is, as a filmmaker, are you seeing the same thing or is it just me yeah no uh the studios get involved they're too involved they won't let the uh the directors make the films that they want to make um they're concerned with statistics they want to have they want to target this demographic and that that demographic and you have to have an actor of this ethnicity and this uh sexual preference and uh somebody with these religious views for this character and you know they're they're just too involved with everything overall um you know they have restrictions as far as what you can do and say in the films and how they want it edited and the story that, that they want told and they don't have the vision that the director has and so when the director goes to them and says like this is my idea the studio oftentimes says, no, we're not doing that. And then they'll drop the director um, during production and they'll hire someone else, another director on board to finish the project. And that guy has no idea what, you know, what the original director was thinking or what the studio is yeah. thinking. And um, it's just, it's just a mess. Like they, they did that with the, uh, the solo movie. They had some guys attached to it. They had an idea for the film. Uh, the studio didn't like it. So during production, they got rid of them and they picked up uh, Ron Howard. And, you know, Ron Howard knows what he's doing. So, you know, he did his best with it. We got the movie that we got out of it. But it's just, you know, it's the studios get get involved with the projects. And oftentimes they just they uh, just, you know, they mess mess themselves over. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe it's just best to leave the artist alone to create the art. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're going to hire a director on to do a job, I would think that it's because you, you know, you trust them to an extent. You've seen their work before, you know, that they're doing good, good stuff and, you know, you give them the keys and you just let them do their thing. Um, if, if you're going to roll the dice with, with a director, then that's, you know, that's a decision that you have to make as a studio. Do you want to take the chance and have them do it? And if you do, then you, again, you let them do their thing, but either way, I think they're just too involved. Yeah. You kind of, in a way, kind of alluded, I think, to maybe like political correctness getting involved in the filmmaking process. And I mean, we, we have this thing we call a woke culture and, you know, we're, we're in a weird time in our culture. And I, and I, you know, when I look back at films from when I was younger that I would just laugh my ass off at Mel Brooks, one of the most creative geniuses ever uh, to make a film could not get away with making films that he did today. And I don't know, like, is that such a, do you feel the pendulum kind of swinging back the other way? We're kind of like with guys like Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr that are just yeah. like, they just put their balls on the table, whether you like it or not. And here's the, here's the way we think. And, you know, um, I, you know, is, is the culture going back to that? We're going to see that kind of, that kind of um, like, let's get this political correctness out of here because it's ruining movies kind of thing. Is that going to, is that going to happen? Is it happening in independent film? And it just hasn't got to Hollywood yet, or is it just a matter of time? Um, That's a maybe. deep question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, as far as being across the board in independent films, I'm not sure. Um, for me personally, I, you know, I would like to see it swing back the other way a bit. Um, you know, as when we make films, we should have the freedom to, to tell the story that we want to tell. Um, you know, I just saw <clears throat> this interview that, Quentin Tarantino did where he says you know if you have sex and violence and all these other things you just use them if you have to to tell the story that you want to tell it's it's part of like your your palette as an artist and some people aren't going to like it but that's but you have to come up with that that final product that you you envision and I think I think we shouldn't be so so afraid of having conversations about things um uh, you know, it's just as a culture, I think we're getting so offended over things that we just, you know, we aren't able to always appreciate the art anymore. And um, I like to see people, you know, be able to express themselves however they want to without restrictions or limitations. Um, as long as you aren't hurting anybody, you know, you aren't ruining yeah. anyone's life. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not forcing anyone to watch Batman, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, you're not forcing anybody to do anything. And, you know, our, the best, biggest vote we have is with our dollars. And if, you know, if somebody has a vision of Tarantino and we like it, it's going to make money, you know, and, and if it doesn't, if people don't like it, it won't. And um, I mean, in that way, the cream always rises. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a shame, but I do hope it swings back because artists have to have that, that freedom to be creative without being canceled. And there's way too right. many canceled. Like when Kevin Hart was going to host the Oscars or, or the Grammys or whichever one he's going to host, and it's like a lifelong dream. And somebody pulls up a tweet from 20 years ago or 10 years right. ago. Right, it's ridiculous. Are you, kidding? <laughs> you know, I was like, right. You know, even this past couple of weeks on on a show like The View, and Whoopi Goldberg had some very controversial, like almost anti-Semitic things she had to say. But I'm not for boycotting or firing people. I'm like, I don't believe in censorship, but if people don't like that show, they won't watch it. And, right. Uh, and it's, you know, that's true with anything. So 
you're trying to cancel Joe Rogan or now, you know, Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, they're two totally different ends of the political spectrum. So it's just like, it's like, it's like everybody eating their own. It's, um, but I'm, but I'm so glad to see that independent film, so much creativity is still alive. It gives you hope and see independent films like this that just like, yeah, we're going to be true to what we think and everything else be damned. And, you know, I am. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I am. I'm going to do my own thing. I can't speak for everybody. Um, and of course, you know, the actors, I appreciate them giving me the chance to do it because without them, I, you know, we, we can't tell the story and they're putting their reputation on the line too, by kind of going along with it. And so there must be other like-minded people out there that just want to be a part of something cool that, you know, has a good story attached to it. And, you know, again, we're, we're trying to bring something that doesn't feel like a fan film. So something higher quality and yeah, it's just a, just, I hope it's a fun project for everybody, you know, everybody that's attached to it. Do you have a Batgirl yet? Yeah, we do. It's uh, Lydia Manson. Okay. Um, <clears throat> she's a super talented actress. She's featured. She'll be featured in the house of the house that eats flesh. Um, Kiss me, Judas, STZ, and reunion from Hell Two. And uh, now she'll be in Batman: The Killing Joke. Okay, because yeah, I've heard of one of those films that bounced around on uh, social media somewhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wanted before we uh, before we kind of knock off here for the night, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, the page on SoundCloud, uh, Nucci is that how is that how you pronounce? Uh, That's what. It, that, yeah, yeah. That, so I released some of it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Nucci. <laughs> yeah. Now, what what is uh, is that all you all the music and all the vocals? Yeah, yep. So it's me playing the guitar, uh, the bass. I wrote all the drum parts for it, all the synth. Um, a couple of those songs on the profile will be featured in other independent films. So um, one song is going to be in the opening of The Bleeding Dark, which is by Jason Hawkins. And then another song will be in Cross Hollow, which is also by Jason Hawkins. Now you play all the instruments on this? Yeah. What are you, Prince? How many instruments do you play? (laughs) Um, So I'll give you an exclusive here. On my upcoming album, which has been done for a couple of years, I actually have a cover of Erotic City on there which is by Prince and I'm playing all the instruments on that. Nice. It's my own take on it. It's not the exact same as Prince, you know, he's super talented, but yeah. Yeah. It's all man. Me. There's no one like Prince. Now, did you get a chance to catch the uh, Super Bowl halftime show? No, I missed it Sunday. I, I had stuff going on. I have to go back and watch all that stuff, but yeah, I missed it. I missed I out. I saw people on TV and like social media, like this was the greatest halftime show ever. And I'm, and I'm thinking, Whoa, Prince was just on there like five years ago. Yeah. He played there like within, you know, not long ago. And he played Purple Rain in the rain. Like, yeah. Like that, that, how do you get better than Prince at a halftime show? But that's just me. But um, yeah, and he, he did some cool covers that year too. I remember that. Yeah. That is, uh, I, I, you know, I guess that has to be probably one of my favorite artists. But uh, a while back, I reposted a podcast online about, the top 10 bands that should play the Super Bowl because every year people are always so kind of disappointed, you know, right. But I guess, uh, and I, you know, that era of music with Eminem and Jay-Z not Jay-Z, but, uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop and all those guys, that was, I was in grad school. I was in college, you know, it was kind of sort of my, you know, my years of when I should be paying attention to music, but I was never really into it. Um, Mm -hmm. but now that I see like, 
you know, my generation like represented there <laughs> at halftime. I'm like, wow, man, some of these guys are going to be taking some uh, balance of nature the next day because you can't be moving around like that <laughs> at <laughs> that age because that's that's going to hurt. And uh, I, I kind of halfway expected Snoop Dogg to fire up a joint on stage because it's legal out there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's, but he did. I was like, come on, give me some controversy. I'm just glad that nobody had a wardrobe malfunction because at that age, you know, <laughs> any of that. Because like, right. uh, like 50 Cent was like, he's, he's put on weight. You can just tell. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, we all get older. But, uh, I mean, I could roll in bed three times and still be on my back at this point. No, I mean. <laughs> that on the pandemic. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> no, but um, where can, can, uh, can people download your music online? Yeah, it's so that what you see there on SoundCloud is available on every platform. So um, I know there's some controversy with Spotify right now, but uh, this before all this stuff started, it was uploaded to Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, SoundCloud, Amazon, and then like a hundred, literally like 190 other streaming platforms I've never even heard of before. Um, some of them are exclusive to China. <laughs> <laughs> that they're they're on like every platform it's uh just new chi new chi music um there are some other artists out there with similar names um those people aren't me <laughs> but if- you know what that's cool that some are exclusive to china because like i have yeah. railed on here like it's like china is they're communists I, i'm not a communist i'm all about free speech <laughs> freedom and they're communists so good for you that you're on those platforms because you know those yeah. people over there know it sucks and they gotta have some yeah. rock and some music and some movies so <laughs> God bless them, man. They can bust through the firewall without getting arrested. Let's do it. Yeah. So I encourage, so I encourage the one place I encourage civil disobedience. Beijing. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's rock this joint. But um, no, that that's pretty cool though. That uh, you're all over those. Um, yeah. So uh, what else? You, uh, what else am I missing here? What else is going on in the, with your projects or anything that you want to get out there um, before we uh, before we go? So the next Nucci release will be the final Nucci release, and it's going to be a cover. Here's some exclusives for you, just for this show. Uh, we're going to uh, release a Billie Eilish cover song. <laughs> so she made she made the bad guy, and since I'm playing the Joker and the Killing Joke, just for fun for the people that have been following me on social media, I'm remaking it, and it's going to be the sad guy. <laughs> All right. All right. And that'll be the final Nucci release. And then from there, uh, I'll release the new album under a different uh, name that I've used on and off over the years. Uh, it'll be under Kiss to Kill, and it'll be a full-length album. And I have the uh, the Prince cover song on there. The other songs are all original. I believe there are 12 tracks total on that. Um, I have some hip-hop stuff coming out in the future. Um, I have a side project, a metal side project it's called Mercy of the Wicked. And I'll have a single coming out for, for that project called Fever Swamp. People can look out for, okay. um, I don't have any set dates for them at the moment, but, uh, they're, they've just been sitting on my computer ready to get ready to go. <laughs> so it, sh- it shouldn't be too long from now. Um, as far as films, I'm attached to the Sawyer Massacre as an associate producer. It's an unofficial, uh, prequel fan film, uh, prequel to the uh, original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Um, so they'll be going to Texas in March to film that. Um, also, I always give shout outs to the third channel. Uh, they're 
their second Indiegogo campaign is coming up soon. Uh, the Sawyer Massacre is available now on Indiegogo. Okay. Um, the third channel is an unofficial sequel to Halloween 3 that's being uh, directed by Michelle and Blasky. Um, and it's, uh, it looks pretty good, man. So, so does uh, the Sawyer Massacre, by the way, has a, uh, a trailer on YouTube that you can find. So if you just type in the Sawyer Massacre trailer, and they actually got Jim Dugan, who was grandpa in the original Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. They got him to do a voiceover in this, which is the first time he's ever spoken as grandpa. And they got uh, Ed Neal, who played the hitchhiker in the original Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. uh, to play a role in, in this new one. Uh, he's playing a character named Rex. Um, and Steve, Steve Merlo is the director. He's a super nice guy, super talented. Um, he, he made that announcement maybe a month ago. And he, he hasn't told us what, what Rex is doing in the film, but I'm pretty excited for it. And when you said uh, Ed Neal, so for the people listening, don't get too excited. It wasn't Ed O'Neill from uh, Married with Children. We're not talking about the guy who scored four <laughs> touchdowns in one game. But we're talking about Ed Neal. <laughs> the, hit, the Hitchhiker. Yep. From yeah, that was, a, that was a great movie, by the way. I, I remember watching that. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I always give those those um, project shout outs. Of course, Cross Hollow and The Bleeding Dark are in post-production, so those will be out soon, and those have a couple of my, my songs in them, so I always give those a shout-out. Um, Batman The Killing Joke, we have a pre-launch campaign available now on Indiegogo for anyone that wants to check it out and support us. Um, if you give us your email, we'll give you exclusive perks and offers, um, and then the official campaign launches on March 1st. So, okay. So if you want to find those links, I can... Uh, find you anthony kaimano on facebook yeah and, uh, yeah you're on uh, instagram too uh, um or no i had an instagram page uh it's private right now but they can definitely find me on facebook and i'm pretty easy going i talk to right. everybody um i get back to everyone so well that um so yeah so make sure you check him out on facebook and uh go check out the music on soundcloud it's pretty good i i gave it a listen Thanks, earlier man. today and uh, and uh i was like yeah it's yeah it's yeah, you're very unique it's a really good sound and the fact you play Thank all you. these instruments, like, oh, okay. And, and yeah, so I, I sequence everything. I record, mix, master, all that stuff. Um, it's all me, 100% me. Wrote the songs, start to finish. Well, keep us posted on the project. Can't wait to see what happens with it. Um, excited to see, especially the Joker character, how that goes. Thank and, uh, yeah, when uh, you guys get close to being done, uh, let me know. We'll come back on. We'll talk a little bit about how it went. Maybe bring a couple of the actors on and um, awesome. kind, of, kind of pick their brain, see how they, uh, what they thought about the process. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. So March 1st, Indiegogo, uh, just search for Batman, the killing joke and we'll pop up or the first ones to pop up. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning into another episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. You can find me right next to Joe Rogan on Spotify. No, not really, but I'm on Spotify. We're on iTunes, uh, Apple or see what is the, uh, Google Play, uh, Amazon Music, anywhere um, that you can you can listen to us on on the website of Podbean. So share with your friends. Uh, go check out Anthony's page and his Indiegogo, and we will talk to you next time. Cheers, everyone.